0: Good morning. Um, I'm Casper Hall and I've been a part of NBC for four years. We'll be reading 1 Corinthians 3:10 through 15. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care of how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire.
1: You can go ahead and be seated. Give us just a second here. So, you get your mic. You got it, thanks. Thanks. How's everyone doing today? Good. I'm glad to hear that. i got to move this one too. I never know. Sometimes I get excited. I probably knock it over and have to look back there and see Alan cringing because I'm knocking over a mic. In fact, that leads me. One of the things that's happened to us, I don't know if you all remembered um, a couple of weeks ago on Sunday night, we had some major thunderstorms come through uh, Mansfield. And In fact, last Sunday, you may not have realized, but uh, we were kind of scrambling around to get everything Together, so we could have a service and be able to stream it because we had so much stuff knocked out by the lightning. So we lost a lot of equipment. And last Sunday morning, I walked in and walked over to talk to Alan and his eyes were about that big around because we lost a couple other things that morning that he found out because once you start fixing something, you start finding other things. So anyway, we had about uh, probably around 4,000 in just equipment that got blown out through the electrical storm and uh, with the lightning and all. So just letting you all know if anybody wants to uh, help with that need, we sure appreciate it, obviously. Uh, if God provides more, we've got plenty of things we need to do in and around the building. But we really just want to let you know, and several people have said, man, we want to know when there's needs in the church. So that's what we're kind of doing this morning, that we have that, that need going on. So here we are. How you all doing this week? Y'all good? Ready to hear the word? Has God prepared your heart? Huh? You come in this morning expecting God to speak to you this morning? I sure hope so. We have an amazing God. I, I, I got to hear a couple of stories this week that were just kind of incredible how God had done things in their family or in their lives. But then I hear some others today, like today I have somebody that I'm especially praying for that's has some medical issues in the hospital today. Um, and I know some of you are praying for them too. It's part of being the body, right? And we learn to pray for each other. So this morning, we're gonna continue our series that started last week, but before we do, let's go ahead and just, uh, just pray. Father God, we come before you. Uh, Lord, we don't come in, in pride and confidence, we come in dependence and humility. That we know, oh God, that the heart that you seek as a heart that is contrite and humble so father we we just bring ourselves before you and god we ask that you would speak to us today your people there's so many of us in here with so many different things going on in our individual worlds it could be it can be relationships it can be hardships it could be health issues financial issues there's so many things that father we have baggage in our lives and things we don't always know how to handle. And yet, God, we seek you this morning and we ask that you speak to us. Prepare our hearts, calm our hearts. That, Lord, we might grow in Christ today. That, Lord, we might hear of things that we need to hear. Lord, we always ask for you to be gentle, but, Lord, do what you need to do. Sometimes we we have to be rebuked. Sometimes we have to be instructed. Sometimes we have to be encouraged. May your spirit move freely among us this morning to encourage us, instruct us, to to confront us. Whatever those things that we need today, Lord, we trust you. But speak to us, Father. And as I always pray, Lord, just go past all of my own shortcomings, my own sins, my own iniquities, my own inabilities. And God, speak to us, your people, that we might grow in Christ and be a people that walk about in the the truth and the light of your word. To you be the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, I started a series called Passion for the Mission. And last week, I really titled that one, uh, What Matters Most, because I was dealing with heart issues, heart themes that we begin to understand some of the things that are most important in our lives. And one of the first things we talked about last week was that we exist to glorify God. Your purpose is to glorify God. That in all you do, in all you say, in all that you go about, you bring glory to God because you're his child. We are his people as a church that God would glory in our church, that he would be glorified by our church. And the way that happens is through us as individuals understanding that our existence, our purpose, our mission, our passion is to glorify God. The second thing we looked at last week was that we are to follow Jesus. That if we're going to glorify God, one of the ways that we glorify God is by transformation in our lives. And Jesus transforms lives. Does he not? He does. He transformed my life. He transformed who I was into who I I am today. And he's still transforming in my life. He's still growing me. He's still developing me. God is still working to make me more and more like his son. And we do that as we follow Christ, as we move from self-control to God-control, as we move from self-glory to God-glory, as we understand that we have to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow after him in our, in our ways, in the, in the way that we walk, and the way that we go about life, that we would follow Christ. The third thing we looked at last week was that we are to love Jesus like crazy, right? We're just to still have a love, a passionate love. Pursue for God. I remember <clears throat> meeting my wife in college. I still remember the day she drove on the campus. Um, my, she had been there the year before and she didn't come in the, in the fall semester but she came in the spring so it was in the middle of the year and I remember she drove up on campus. My roommate knew her from when she was there before and he's like, great, come on. You gotta, you gotta meet this girl. She's really neat. And I was like, alright. So we go to meet her and man, you know when I saw her, I was like, oh! You know, it's just like, wow. Never saw anyone so beautiful in my life. I just, I was just like, man, you know, I threw my best one-liners, you know, kind of thing. And they Like a ton of a fricks, you know, it didn't go anywhere, you know. But I began to, began to pursue her. And God, by his grace and his mercy, developed a friendship that grew into more. Um, I never forget the day when um, she, she said to me that, um, God had showed her my heart. Not a lot of people saw my heart. They saw this rough exterior and this, this person, but God had opened up my heart to her. And i never forget that, her saying that. And this December, we will celebrate 37 years of marriage. Um, yeah, amen. Yeah. It hasn't been easy. I love my wife. I love her. I love her more now than I, don't, I think I ever did, even that day when I went, you know. I love her so much more. I love just being with her. I love it when she just goes to Home Depot with me, even though she doesn't need anything. Of course, I do try to keep her away from the plants a little bit. But. <laughs> There's been so many times of great victory and great struggle in our marriage. There has been times when I can remember in our marriage and when I was like, hey, look, I've done this, and I did this, and I did this, and I did this, and I did, I mean, obviously, I care. Obviously, I love you, obviously, right? And we do that to God, don't we? We do the same thing to God. God, I, I think it tells us in the scriptures that in the last time where some would say, Lord, I did this in your name, I did this in your name, I did this in your name, and God says, away from me, I never knew you. Because I begin to realize a relationship and love is much more than just showing up. There's other times I looked in our marriage where I've got a lot of issues. Those of you that know me know I, I have a lot of issues and you put up with issues that I have in my life. I have issues where you know, I get angry. I don't always act in the most mature way. I remember going through periods of time in my relationship with my wife where I looked at her and I was just like, hey, you just got to deal with it. That's just who I am. I'm just, nothing I can do about it. That's just who I am. I'm just this big, hot mess, and it's just who it is, right? And we do the same thing to God. We know that all that I am before God is in Christ, and we kind of just go, well, I've just got all this stuff in my life. I'm just this big, hot mess. There's nothing I can do about it. And when we're saying that, we're really denying the power of God in our lives, because Jesus came to transform us, didn't he? He didn't come just to leave us in our mess. He came to begin to transform us. We kind of look at it as all or nothing. Either, oh, you love God with all your heart, or you don't. The reality is I'm in a passionate pursuit of a loving relationship with my God. And just as in my relationship with my wife over 37 years, I have had to learn how to grow in that relationship. And it wasn't just always what I did or her putting up with who I am. It was learning to grow in that relationship. And God desires that from us, that we would have a passionate pursuit in a loving relationship with him that we understand that it means that we turn over self-control when we put ourselves under God control. That it's, it's all about his glory, not my glory. It's about learning how that he increases in my life more and more and more as I grow in Christ. And so here at Mansfield Bible Church, we talk about what does, that, what does that kind of look like? We talked about last week, even I brought it up, about that we are a group of people learning how to follow Jesus. And when you talk about learners, you're talking about disciples. You're talking about people who are following after Jesus. You're talking about people that in the process of our walks with him, we're learning together as a body of believers how to follow Jesus, how to have more of his control in our lives and less of ourselves in our lives, right? That we start living for him, that we start passionately seeking him, that he becomes our pursuit, our love. We live in a world that, can, that is self-obsessed. I mean, it's just unreal to me. I mean, our world, we just fall on our faces at the altar of self-worship. It's unreal. And if you struggle with that, I'm sorry. But you know what? In order to grow in Christ, you're going to have to deal with that. Because it's about him, it's not about us. So we are a group of people learning, learning to follow Jesus. And here at NBC, we use three words to kind of help remind us of what that means. And if you will, go ahead and Put that up if I have someone back. Yeah, there we go. Jesus follower. We're going to follow Jesus. We say these three things. Abide, and you see the arrow going up and down, belong, how we belong to the body of Christ, and impact, that we make an impact in the world that we live in. Today I want to look at just this one idea here, this idea of abiding in Christ. Because Jesus said this in John chapter 15, verse 5. In John chapter 15, verse 5, he said, I am the vine. And you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. One of the things that we have to understand as God's people is that we have to understand that we are abiding, we have to abide in Christ, that we have to build wisely, and that we abide in him, because apart from him, we can do nothing. So if you take your Bibles, And you look here real quickly in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that we read today, there's some things that he said here. He said in verse 10, according to the grace, God give it to me like a a skilled master builder. I lay a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Each one take care how he builds upon it. So he's telling us to be careful that we're to build wisely. And that's really the title today is that we would build wisely. And he says this in verse 11, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. In other words, he's telling us that there's only one foundation and that foundation is Jesus Christ. There's no other foundation. In the context, if we were to go back in the early part of this chapter, we would see that there was division going on within the church, the Corinthian church. There were some saying, I'm of Paul. Another saying, I'm of Apollos. And they were kind of almost saying it in a prideful way, that we're building this correctly. We're doing it right. You know, that's kind of what we do, right? We're doing it right. We're doing it like this. We're doing it like this. And Paul is saying in the early part of this chapter, he says, I can't even talk to you in spiritual terms. I have to talk to you in human terms because you're not building wisely is what he's telling him. And in fact, what he does is he goes on and he explains that both the one who waters and the one who plants, both of them are the same. They're one and the same because the foundation that we build on is the foundation of Jesus. And Paul is saying when he's gone to plant these churches, he was like a skilled master builder and he laid a foundation and that foundation was Jesus. As he began to build these churches, he laid the foundation and that foundation is Jesus Christ. There's no other foundation for the church, but Jesus Christ. There's only one foundation. There's not multiple foundations. There are not different kinds of foundations. There's only one foundation and that is Jesus Christ. So any system of belief that is not rooted in Jesus is not a foundation. Do you agree? Is Jesus the only foundation? It's not humanism. It's not in this self-obsessed world that we live in. It's not our self that it's built on. It's not human philosophy, it's not atheism. It's not anything, anything other than Jesus Christ is not a foundation. It's not even self-works. So somehow we think that somehow by doing good we we're, we're, we're going to somehow make God happy. It's about us then. It's not about Jesus. Jesus is the foundation. There is only one foundation. And Paul goes on in verses 12 through 15 and he talks about this. He says, now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw... Each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. The day he's talking about is a day of judgment. It's not, it's not the great white throne. He's not talking about our salvation here. He's talking to believers. He's talking to us as Christians. How do we build this foundation? Do we use gold and, and silver or do we use hay and straw? One survives the, survives the fire and one doesn't and he's talking about how do we build on this foundation and he goes on and he says and the fire will test what sort of work each of us has done verse 14 if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives he will receive a reward if anyone works if anyone's work is burned up he will suffer loss though he himself will be saved but only as through fire. The picture is that if your work is built up or it survives the fire, there's a reward. If it's not, there's loss. He doesn't say there's condemnation. There's a loss. It's just just that there's a loss in the way that we build. So how how we go about building, how we go about increasing Jesus in our lives matters. It matters how you operate your life. It matters how you conduct your life. It matters how we conduct as a church. That's why as followers of Christ, we say, hey, we're learning how to follow Jesus, and we're doing that as we abide, belong, and impact. And so today, as we're talking about abiding, and that we can do nothing apart from Christ, that the only way we produce fruit in our lives is through Christ, by abiding, remaining, staying in him then I think there's two things that we identify as that are important if we're gonna abide. First is is reading God's word, really simple. The second one's just a simple prayer. If we're gonna grow in Jesus and we're gonna be wise builders in our lives, we have to be passionate about God's word. Bottom line, I'm not gonna apologize for that. I also am one of those, I believe this thing is inerrant. There's no error in this. This is God's word to us and we need to see it that way. It becomes the authoritative word of God to us in our lives. I, I listen to this word and I read it and I want to understand it that I may grow in my love him. So we need to be passionate about God's word. Now take your Bibles and turn over to 1 Timothy, uh, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2. We're doing it the old-fashioned way. I'm not putting slides on the screen. Just turn over in your Bible, and your phone, whatever the case may be, and then we'll get there, okay? 2 Timothy chapter 4. And really we're going to be looking at verse 2, but I want to read verse 1 and 2. Paul speaking to Timothy, young pastor, in a church, he's telling them how to how to build the church, how to invest. And Timothy, uh, Paul says to Timothy, "I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge, who, who is to judge the living and the dead, by his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching." powerful. I can't imagine what Timothy's heart was like to read this, to understand that in his life, the thing that, that Paul understood that he needed to incorporate into his life was the word of God and to, be, to preach it, to be able to use his word to, 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 to reprove, to rebuke, to exhort, to have patience and teaching. We're so quick to to destroy with God's word sometimes that we forget not to build up with God's word. And that's what it does. It's so important in our lives. Paul is telling Timothy, I charge you. It's an authoritative uh, response that Paul has to Timothy. I'm charging you in the authority that you have with God's word to preach this word. It's all I bring to you today. You guys, some of you hang around with me enough. You know I don't have a whole lot to offer. I'm not that smart, not that skilled, you know? But I tell you what, man, I have a passion for this thing. You know why? Because this thing is God's word. Look what he says in verse, uh, well, actually, go back in the previous chapter, chapter 3, verses 16. And following, he says in verse 16 of chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, all scripture is breathed out by God. I love that statement. All scripture is breathed out by God. Think about that for a minute. God wrote a book. He wrote a book. Paul goes on and he says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. You will not be ready to serve God if the word of God is not part of your life. If you're not passionate about God's word, if God's word isn't, isn't so, such a priority in your life, how do you expect to grow in Christ? You can't. You see, the scripture is breathed out by God. We are to have a passion for God's word. We must have a passion. We can't shortchange it. God wrote a book. I love that. God wrote us a book. You want to know what God's thinking? He wrote us a book. You want to know what God is like? He wrote us a book. You don't want to know what God wants you to do? He wrote us a book. God wrote a book. Do you realize that? I think sometimes we look at it and we go, yeah, but I prefer Matt Chandler, Francis Chan, MacArthur, or some other teacher, or some other study material. Not that they're bad, but when they outweigh the time you spend in the book, there's a problem. Dear people of God, we need to know what it says, we need to read it and let it permeate in our lives. That when we begin to, to look at it, there's a love and a passion for God that begins to well up within us. Some of us are more passionate about our favorite reality show. Oh, I, I'll, I'm, a, I'm a sinner here right now, I'll tell you. I'm football, you know, I love sports. And sometimes the reality of who God is becomes shortchanged by the things. We, we're ready to, to debate any, any, any issue of the day. And we can be passionate about it, but are we passionate about God's word that we would read it? God wrote a book. He gave you his word, his very word that you may know how to love him and how to pursue him. <laughs> amen, amen. Are you gonna tell me when you come to the end of your life that you're gonna say to God, well, I preferred prefer TV more than your word. We need to be careful in our North American culture our self-obsession and lazy culture that we're in where we think we research, but we really don't. We prefer our downtimes and our hobbies and our our own little quirks and our work more than having a passion for God's word. God wrote a book. It's kind of like God said, I wrote you a book. Did you get it? Yeah, I got like six copies at home. I just didn't feel like reading it. Kind of found it boring. I prefer reading other things. Dear people of God, he wrote us a book. Some of us need to renew our passion for God's word. Don't live your life without knowing what his word says. Right now, right now, right now. I'm praying that God's spirit is moving among us right now. I'm praying that his spirit is just speaking to us because some of us need right now to renew that passion for his word. We pursue so many things, so much intellectually. We pursue physical things and health and all of those things, but we don't pursue our spiritual well-being. And we do it in ways that we pursue it where we feel good, but we exclude him. I'm always amazed at all these things that I read about people that are quoting things about God, right? And it's what they think, it's what they read, some author, some this, some, and rarely do people quote just the flat out quote the word, Is it because we're not in it? Do you think it is important to God that his church, and I'm talking in church, meaning the individuals and us corporately, you think it's important to God that we have the highest regard for his word? Do you think that's important? That we be teaching it among God's people? Do you think that's of high importance to our God? Well, I think so. I absolutely believe that. I believe that we are to have the highest regard for his word in our lives, putting it in our hearts, keeping it there that we might grow, that from his word impacting our heart, ministry comes out. The way that we serve him, the way we worship him, the way we lift him up, that there's no other book, there's no other book in this world that has the words of life than the one that God wrote. We need to have a deep passion for God's word. I remember right after I got out of high school, I graduated. I was going to a, a pretty large church, and there was a little church up in Boulder, Colorado, that was about to close its doors, and our church kind of kind of went in and helped it financially. It sent my former youth pastor and He was going to be the pastor and sent myself and a couple other of my friends. And we were going up to help this church, kind of get things going. We'd been there, I don't know, six months to a year, something like that. And uh, we lived in the parsonage. So the pastor, uh, my youth pastor and his wife lived upstairs. And we had an outside entrance into the basement. So myself and the other guys, we were downstairs. And we had had our own, kind of built our rooms and stuff. I'll never forget, Sunday morning, one Sunday morning, uh, the pastor's wife, Sue, she opened the door and her husband's name was Pepper. She yells down, Pepper's sick, one of you all gotta preach. Remember the other guys are like, nope, nope, not me. I went, all right, I'll preach. I mean, no big deal, right? You know, and just get up. So I had about hour and a half, two hours to prepare and got up and preached that morning. And, and um, I wish I had a recording of it, to be honest with you. I really do. But I was really I was really, you know, just passionate about God's word, whatever I had. And I never forget, there was this lady in our church. She was an older lady in our church. And she just loved God, and she was known for, for praying. And she come walking down the aisle, and she had a walker. She was just walking her way towards me. So I went to meet her. I could tell she put her eyes on me. She's bearing down on me. And I was coming down there, and I went to reach up to shake her hand And when she came up, she didn't shake my hand, she stuck her finger at me and she said, young man, you get yourself in a Bible college and you learn the word of God. I never forgot that. I did. I was, I think the next few months I went off to Bible college. And I don't know if it was because I did such a bad job handling God's word where she saw potential. I don't know which. (laughs) I won't know until I get to heaven and I get to see her again. but I always remembered those words that we're to be passionate about God's word. The only thing I have to offer you is what I have in Christ. I have nothing else. And all I know is what I've learned and read from his word and to be passionate about it. You see, if we're gonna build a foundation on Jesus, if we're gonna be wise builders, as we seek to glorify him in all that we say and that we do, as we begin to follow Jesus, as we together learn to follow him and pursue him passionately as we love him and seek him, we gotta have a passionate desire for his word. Not only that, but we also have to have a passion for prayer. Turn over to Ephesians chapter six. Ephesians chapter six. Again, we're doing it the old fashioned way. Flip over in your Bibles. Ephesians chapter six. I'm gonna read verse 17, but we're gonna look at verse 18. Ephesians chapter six, verse 17. And Paul, the context of this passage is spiritual warfare. He's talking about the things to put on to survive spiritually in a spiritual warfare. But he says in verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. You think, you think the word of God is important? He's talking about spiritual warfare. And then he goes on, he says in verse 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to the end, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And I think in this passage, Paul kind of gives us kind of the characteristics of what prayer should look like in our lives. First thing he says is, Praying at all times, he focuses in on the frequency. It's not sometimes or most of the time, but all times. Prayer is not a suggestion for the Christian life; it is the Christian life. And sometimes when we talk about praying at all times, we think it's like you know finding our little prayer closet and being down on our knees, and that's all prayer is. It's not. It's so much more. It's bringing God into our lives. It's it's breathing out the reality of what God has done in our relationship with him. It's breathing it out. It's talking to him as through the day. There was something this week that had happened where one of the staff had said something to me and I remember thinking, okay, Lord, here it is. I didn't say this out loud. It was just between me and him. Here it is. All right, what are we gonna do next? It's bringing God into our lives and as we pray about all things at all times, it doesn't mean that we stay, go in a prayer closet and go, well, I prayed all day today. That's, I'm praying at all times. That's what I'm supposed to do. And it's about bringing God into our lives and praying and, and asking him to, to smooth the way before us, to open the doors. You wanna, you wanna evangelize? We're gonna talk about that a little bit next week, by the way. Probably half of you might not show up now that you know. know. I don't know. <laughs> but next week, we're gonna talk a little bit about evangelizing. You, you wanna change? You wanna reach people? Pray for them. Just begin praying for your neighbor, that person you work with. You don't have to hold them down. That's what I used to do. I remember I came to Christ and went out in the neighborhood and got all my friends because I was bigger than all of them. So I got them on the car and none of them could leave until they prayed the prayer. You know? They all got saved that day. I was really efficient at leading people to Christ. You know, <laughs> I had to grow in Jesus, right? But you know what? You don't have to do that. You just start praying for them. Praying and legitimately asking God to to open doors for you to share why you believe in Jesus. You'd be amazed. I challenge you to do that. You'd be amazed what God will do. It's bringing God into our lives. If we're gonna abide in Christ, we have to pray at all times. We gotta pray with our children we got to pray in those circumstances how can a healthy community of god's people how can we be healthy if we're not praying think about that you know why there's divisions you know why there's bitterness you know why we get upset we void each other and cut each other off cuz we don't pray for each other we don't pray if we're gonna be healthy community of God's people, we need to be about prayer. And he says, praying at all times within the spirit, with all prayer and supplication. He's talking about the variety of prayers that, that go up to God. It's not just the times where there's times where I fall on my face before God to pray about, time, about things. There's, there's times I'm just talking to him throughout the day, trying to help ask him to give me enlightenment to, to those circumstances where to work through a, a situation. Today, I am, I am praying for a very special person today who's having some procedures in the hospital. Some of you are praying for him too. It's an important day. And we need to remember to pray for one another. And he goes on, he says, prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert. It's the idea to focus on on the uh, urgency of prayer. In fact, the very word prayer has the idea of urgency. There's to be a readiness in our prayers, a willingness that when we hear of those needs, we take them before God because we're to be alert in prayer. We're really alert at sharing things, right? Without praying about things. And that has to change. We have to be about prayer. He goes on, keep alert with all perseverance. It's the idea of to focus on the persistence to pray. Remember the widow and the, and the unjust judge and he was kind of ignoring her she just kept, kept knocking, right? And everyone always thinks it's always about the unjust judge and, and is God unjust, all that. That's not the point of the parable. The point of the parable is persistence. That God desires us, to be persistent in our prayers. And so many times I hear people go, "Well, I prayed about it, didn't work, God didn't answer, didn't care, you know? <laughs> you don't know prayer. You don't know God. He wants us to be persistent and persevere in our prayers, with all perse- perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. I, I skipped a word a minute ago in the spirit. That idea of in the Spirit, when he says, pray in all times in the Spirit, focuses in on submission. It focuses in on the idea to live in accordance to God's will. It's the idea that it shows devotion and dependence on God. Jesus oftentimes pulled himself away from the crowds. Do you remember? He pulled himself away the, from the crowds to do what? To pray. If the Son of God, who is our example, if the Son of God spent such crucial time in prayer to be with the Father, how important should it be for our lives? How important should prayer be for us? If Jesus himself saw the importance of prayer. You know know what Jesus did the night before he selected the 12? He prayed. You know what Jesus did right before he went to the cross? He prayed, that's right. He prayed. We need to be passionate about prayer. Because when we don't pray, what do we say? I don't need you, God. I've got it. Now, hey, most of us in this church, I know know we don't say that because we understand that we don't say that. We all know I would never say that. But we say it with our actions. We say it with our hearts. We don't bring God into the middle of the situation. We don't pray and he he is the first that we pray because the very essence of prayer is God, I can't do it. I can't do it without you. What did Jesus say? Without me, you can do nothing. I was reading most of the surveys out there say there's two things that the majority of the Christians don't do. You know what they are? Read the word and pray. It just struck me. I don't know about you, but it convicted me in my own life about some things. That we don't read God's word and pray. Why? Because we don't abide in Jesus. Because if we're abiding in Jesus, we would be. We start not believing God that he will answer. We don't believe that God will hear our prayers because if we did, we would be passionately pursuing Jesus in prayer. We would. We'd be passionately abiding in him if we believe those things because prayer deepens our relationship with God. Charles Spurgeon said, neglect of private prayer is the locust which devours the strength of the church. Now, I'm more of a city boy than I am a country boy. So assuming that you all know what locusts do, right? When they come in, they just wipe out the area, don't they? They wipe out of everything. And what Spurgeon in his quote is saying is that those who would not pray, it's like there's no strength. There's no strength. Is that why the church is weak today? some of us just realized why we don't have spiritual strength in our life. Because we've kind of walked away from praying at all times. Because we haven't believed in the power of prayer and the locusts have come, taken away our strength. We gotta be a praying people, dear people of God. We gotta be a people who are passionate about God's word, who are passionate about the word. And the good news is, anytime we return to God in prayer, we find renewal. He's always ready. He's always ready to bring us in. He's always ready to call us back to himself, to bring us back to himself. That's his love and that's his grace. We don't have to wait and go through some program. We just immediately crawl out to him and he's there. He's there. Praise God, amen. Praise God, he's there. That's his love and that's his grace. Notice the last phrase of that verse. It says, all the saints, because we're to be focused on praying for each other. We need to be praying for each other, for one another. We gotta be passionate about prayer and we have to be passionate about the word and we have to be passionate to pray for one another. So this morning, what I want to do as we end the service, I just want us to pray for one another. Some of the things that I want us to pray about specifically is that this last week and this week, school has started back. And all the things that go with that this this year, right? All of it. We have students that are going back to public school or private school. We have some that are homeschooled. And there's a lot of different things that are going on with that. I don't have to say them all, you know them. We need to pray for our teachers and our administration in our public schools and our private schools. We need to pray for those families that are homeschooling because it's not easy. Some of the teachers in public school are struggling with all the things that are coming down the pike. We need to pray for them. We have teachers and admins in here this morning and in our church, we need to pray for them and we need to pray for the families. We have some families this week who had, had their high school graduate from last year go off to college or about to go off to college. And all that's involved with that, we need to pray for them. We need to pray for our families in the middle of everything that's going on. So in a moment, what I'm gonna do is I'm just going to ask you to pray. You can pray individually. You can pray with the group that's on your row. You can get up and go across the room. I don't care. And pray with someone over there if you love. We're going to pray together in a minute. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to show a video. It's only a minute long. And it just gives some things. Maybe you're not sure what to pray or how to pray. And this video will give you some of those things to pray about. You'll go ahead and play that. Thank you, God, for the gift of education, for our children's desire to learn and grow, for friends who have similar interests, but who challenge them in new ways too. We pray their educators are inspired and energized every day by their calling. We pray this year would be led by you. Each day they would step through the door you open, keep them safely protected, And may you bless them with opportunities to be a light to others as they learn more about you. We ask for wisdom and strength to raise them up in the purpose and plan you have for them. And the truth of your word. Amen. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding that is true. It's in God's word. It's in his book. So right now, let's just take a couple of minutes. We're not gonna have any announcements. We're not having any music afterwards. We're just gonna take a few minutes and just kind of turn, maybe with your partner, whatever, we'll just have time of quiet. I ask that we you know, just focus on prayer. So go ahead and do that. In a minute, I'll close this. Father, what a joy it is to hear the prayers going up. I pray, Father, that they are a sweet fragrance of worship to you. Father, from the hearts of your people, we pray for these these students. Father, that are starting back to school or have started and just God, we pray you put a hedge about them and you protect them from the evil one who has no good desired for them who only wants to destroy. But Father, we pray that you would protect them and that your word would sustain them and keep them and that, Father, they would put their faith and their trust in you, oh God. I pray for those teachers and those faculty and the admins, for parents who are homeschooling, that, God, you give them wisdom and and instruction and that, Father, they would understand the, the the high glory that they have to teach these children. And that, Father, you would you would be with them and that you would use them, Father, to instruct our kids. And that, Father, our children would learn of grace and mercy of your goodness. Father, I, I just pray as well for this college students who are about to go and some have already gone. I pray, God, that you would protect them from the evil one as well. And Father, they would not be deceived and would not be led astray, but Father, that they would find that the, that the truth that you have and the word that we have in, your, in, in the scriptures, that they would, Father, be the foundation upon which they would build is Jesus Christ. Be God, you would be with them. and I pray, oh God, for the families and the changes in schedules and all of the things that are going on, the transition time, God, you be with the families. Guard against impatience, oh God. Help us, Father, to be a people that are, are showing grace to one another, showing grace in our families, showing love and patience. And Father, you would use us for your glory and your purposes. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for coming. Uh, stay abiding in Christ. You can always go to our website. We have a resource page there as well. We uh, would encourage you to do that. Thank you. Have a good day.